All right. Good morning. Good afternoon. Whatever it is for you. I hope you are having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Today is Tuesday, January 2nd. And I first, I got to say, I'm so dang excited for today's podcast. Today is going to be a fantastic show. I got to apologize. I'm very sorry. Today is Tuesday, not Monday. I was hoping to do a podcast yesterday on Monday. And a lot of weird family stuff happened. A lot of things went on. My brother showed up unexpectedly. Um, And I think actually the show is going to benefit from waiting a day longer because I can now include the New Year's Day bowls in today's podcast. I think I'm not going to do a podcast tomorrow, which is Wednesday, because I'll probably be getting all of this content tomorrow again, which is Wednesday. I'll do another one on Friday. But man, today's podcast is a special podcast. It's huge. It's jam-packed. Tons and tons of stories. A lot to talk about and really, really great content. We're going to talk a lot about the college football playoff. We'll talk about Georgia, Oklahoma, Bama, Clemson. I'm going to tell you why Sam Darnold should leave USC and go to play for the Cleveland Browns. I'm also going to tell you guys my Super Bowl prediction. It's been a, uh, it's been a, it's been a frustrating uh spring break I'm our winter break I'm on winter break I'm home from college and I gotta say I really cannot wait to have my own a studio in my own apartment someday a room where I never have to move you guys don't understand I have to move my entire computer setup to a different room just to upload the podcast because the internet is so bad here it's just been a rough uh, a rough rough going I'm very excited to someday have my own place my own studio I cannot wait you can subscribe to strong opinion sports on iTunes on SoundCloud and on YouTube coming to Google Play next week and Hopefully, uh, what's the other one called? Spotify next week. You can find the entire 45-minute to an hour podcast on YouTube. You can also find my best and most interesting clips. Tell your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. That is my plan. That is how I plan to grow Strong Opinion Sports. It's through you guys telling your friends about the show on Facebook, on Twitter, face-to-face, whatever it is. Tell your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. I'm so fired up. I am so dang excited. Today really is going to be a fantastic show. I want to start today with the Alabama-Clemson game from yesterday. And I got to say first, I can admit when I am wrong, and I was dead wrong about this game, basically the opposite of what I predicted would happen actually happened. I predicted that Alabama was going to get blown out because of Clemson's quarterback, Kelly Bryant. I thought Kelly Bryant's mobility would give Alabama problems. I was dead, dead wrong. The opposite of what I said would happen. Here is what I learned watching the Alabama-Clemson game yesterday. Do you remember the name Deshaun Watson? Yeah, you better remember the name Deshaun Watson because Deshaun Watson's a fantastic quarterback. He should have been the rookie of the year this year. He plays for the Houston Texans. The reason why Alabama won yesterday by a huge margin was because Clemson did not have Deshaun Watson. This is the third year in a row, maybe the fourth. I can't remember who they played in the first college football playoff. This is at least the third year in a row Clemson and Alabama have played each other in a row. And man, Alabama dominated yesterday. But let's look back at the last two years, the last two national championships, Alabama and Clemson matched up and it was a very close competitive game. And again, the difference is Deshaun Watson. So last year in 2017, Clemson won 35-31. Deshaun Watson had was 36 for 56 passing, 420 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, and was had a 64% completion percentage. He also rushed for 43 yards on 21 attempts with a touchdown. He also had a fumble, so he did have one turnover, but... Deshaun Watson dominated last year against Alabama. He shredded Alabama. And that is why Clemson won last year. And then two years ago, two years ago in the national championship, Deshaun Watson was 30 for 47, 
four touchdowns, one interception, 405 yards passing, a 64% completion percentage, and 73 yards rushing. Look, Deshaun Watson dominated Alabama's defense. He tore them up. He ripped them to shreds. Without Deshaun Watson, that is the big difference for Clemson yesterday. That is why Clemson lost. Here's what Kelly Bryant did yesterday. This is all that Kelly Bryant was able to do against Alabama's defense yesterday in the Sugar Bowl. I don't remember. what Some bowl game, whatever it was called. Kelly Bryant yesterday was 18 for 36, had 124 yards passing, no touchdowns, two interceptions, and only had 19 rushing yards with 19 attempts. That's one yard per carry. And before you guys rip me to shreds for not knowing the name of that bowl game, look, that is not the point of this podcast. The point of this podcast is to say what happened. And look, Clemson was dominated by Alabama because Alabama was the better team, and Clemson didn't have a quarterback that could keep up. I did not realize how much of a difference Deshaun Watson made until I watched Clemson without Deshaun Watson yesterday. That is why Clemson lost to Alabama by such a big margin. Their quarterback could not keep them in the game. I love Kelly Bryant. I I supported him. I thought he was going to play better. He did not. I said on Friday, Kelly Bryant was the key to the game between Clemson and Alabama. And Kelly Bryant did not deliver and did not perform. Clemson sorely missed their old quarterback, Deshaun Watson, yesterday. And that is why Clemson was dominated by Alabama. I want to shift your focus now to the Georgia-Oklahoma game. Oh, this was a... The Rose Bowl was a fantastic game. Oh, my goodness. So Georgia won yesterday 54-48 to in double overtime. Oh, it was a great game. It was fantastic. It did not happen like I expected. But I did expect Georgia to win. But I was really surprised. I figured that if Georgia and Oklahoma played in a close game, I thought Baker Mayfield and the Oklahoma Suitors would have the edge because they had a better quarterback. But let's look at the stats. You know, I really thought Baker Mayfield was going to give Oklahoma and the edge in a close game. Here's what happened. Baker Mayfield was 23 for 35, had a 66% completion percentage, 287 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. One big costly turnover. In contrast, uh, and very similarly, actually, not in contrast, very similarly, Jake Frum had a 69% completion percentage, was 20 for 29 passing, 210 yards, two touchdowns, and did not have a costly interception. To be honest, let's, let's be very clear. Jake from Georgia's quarterback played a cleaner game than Baker Mayfield. And this was a large part of why Georgia was able to keep it close with Oklahoma for so long. I did not think Jake from was going to play this well. I, I was very impressed and surprised. Jake from really was, he stood up, he was ready for the task. He was up for the task and he kept pace with Baker Mayfield. As much credit as we give Baker Mayfield, and I have not given enough credit to the Georgia quarterback, Jake Frum. Jake Frum, he held his own. He was fantastic. He really played a great game. And let's be very clear, again, he played a cleaner game than Deshaun, than Baker Mayfield. He Again, he had a 69% completion percentage. He took care of the ball a little bit better. And he was, because he was able to keep up with Baker Mayfield, that helped keep Georgia in the game against Oklahoma. But the truth is, no matter what you want to say, people are saying Oklahoma gave up this game. Oklahoma this, Oklahoma that. The narrative that everyone wants to talk about Oklahoma. Can we talk about the truth? The truth is Georgia ran all over Oklahoma. They had two running backs with over 100 yards rushing each. Sonny Mitchell had 181 yards. Nick Chubb had 145 yards. Look, Georgia just ran, again, all over Oklahoma. Oklahoma could not tackle Georgia's running backs. Oklahoma... I watched over and over again big runs made by Georgia where Oklahoma just could not tackle anybody. 
I watched there was a big run. I believe it was by Nick Chubb down this right. He ran out of the middle and down the sideline, down the right sideline. And I watched a safety for Oklahoma just fall over. It's like he didn't want to even try to tackle Georgia's running back. It was like, man, Oklahoma does not know how to tackle. And so that's the narrative I want to go with. Let's look at this. The practice rules in the Big 12 really limit you from tackling in practice. So in the Big 12, you're allowed two days a week of uh, full speed practice where you can tackle in, in practice. In the SEC, in contrast, you're allowed three game, three days a week in practice where you can tackle and take guys to the ground. And over time, that really adds up. You're getting two-thirds the tackles if you play in a Big 12 program. So over an 18-week stretch, you tackle for 54 days in the SEC and only 36 days if you play in the Big 12. That's a big difference. That's, hundred, that's like hundred, hundreds of tackles maybe over the course of a season that you'll be missing out on. Over time, that adds up. And the question you need to ask is, the big, is the Big 12 hurting itself with their rules being more limiting than the NCAA requires? Or does the NCAA need to step in, similar to the government in some situations, and level the playing field so that everyone has the same amount of practices where you tackle and take guys to the ground? Look, I don't know the answer. I, I don't want to try to figure it out. I'm just pointing out the disparity. Oklahoma has made two-thirds the tackles in practice than Georgia has this year because of the limitations they have in practices. Now, maybe the Big 12 is doing the right thing by uh, focusing on player safety, limiting tackling in practice, but let's be honest, the Big 12 is not known for defense, and the big reason why is because of the rules they have for tackling in practice, and it showed yesterday. Oklahoma could not tackle Georgia's running backs. You can talk about Baker Mayfield. You can talk about Lincoln Riley. You can talk about Jake Fromm all you want. But the truth is, Georgia had over 300 yards rushing and just dominated. It looked like Oklahoma wanted nothing to do with Georgia's running backs. They did not want to tackle Georgia's running backs. Nick Chubb, Sony Mitchell, they <laughs> look fantastic. They really, really dominated yesterday. And that is the storyline I want to focus on. Georgia ran all over Oklahoma yesterday in the Rose Bowl. All right, so we have now two SEC teams in the college football playoff. And uh, this is not really what I wanted. I'll be honest. I, it's a regional game. I really wanted to see like Ohio State and Alabama or, you know, you, some, some, some teams, a matchup I hadn't seen. I really wanted, honestly, I wanted Baker Mayfield and the Oklahoma Sooners to get to the college football playoff because I wanted to root for Baker Mayfield. Uh, but this, let's be honest, this also is not what the network wanted. This is a regional matchup. ESPN, whoever has the game, this is not what they want. This is not what nationally captivates audiences. The storyline's not that great. It's going to be kind of a boring national championship if you ask me. Two teams that are defensive dominant, run the ball a lot. I just like, eh, that's not what I want in football. I want passing. I want scoring. I want excitement. And that is what Baker Mayfield would have brought. Um, but let's also be honest about this. The Big Ten is now 7-1 and one in bowl games, yet they cannot get a bid? We have two SEC teams in the college football playoff in the national championship, and the Big Ten didn't even get a chance? That drives me nuts. For the love of God, can we please expand the college football playoff? I'm not asking for much. I just want an 18 playoff. Just add one more week, add one more round of games to get into the playoff. I would like that so much more. I've got to say, I'm not outraged. I'm not super mad about having two SEC teams in the college football playoff. Look, we had a chance. This was a, there was only a 25% chance of having both Alabama and Georgia get, make it to the national championship. And they earned it. They both won their games. We can't, people are, a lot of the narrative on Twitter and everywhere else is that there, people are angry that there are two SEC teams 
in the national championship. Look, there was a chance there was going to be no SEC teams. If, if Clemson and Oklahoma both win, neither one of them would have been in. We had our chance, and the SEC just won the games. They, they took care of business, and there are two teams in the national championship. So I'm not too upset that there are two teams from the SEC in the national championship. I just have to be honest, it's not the game I wanted. I, but I would really love to see an expansion of the college football playoffs. And if you need proof, here's proof. This is the best story in all of college football right now. Yesterday, University of Central Florida, coached by Scott Frost, beat Auburn in their bowl game 34-27 and completed their 13-0 perfect season. It's a great story. It's fantastic. And their coach is riding off in the sunset. Their head coach, Scott Frost, the head coach for Central Florida, is now going to his alma mater where he played quarterback and won a national championship. He's now riding off into the sunset to be Nebraska's new head coach. That's awesome. It's exciting. But it just makes me ask, what if? What if University of Central Florida had an opportunity to play for the play in the college football playoff and play eventually for the national championship? What if they'd had a chance? Because they went 13-0. They did everything they could, and they trounced almost everybody they played. And let's be honest, I did not think Central Florida had a chance to beat a team like Auburn. I thought they were going to get clobbered. Well, guess what? I was dead wrong. I mean, they took care of business against Auburn, a team that beat Alabama. So what do we know? What do we know? Who knows? I would love to see eight teams get in. Because I'm not going to argue about the eighth seed. If, if it comes down to like Boise State or Washington, whoever it is, I'm not going to argue that. But it's really easy. When you leave out all one of the five Power Five conferences, actually two this year, you left out the Big Ten and the Pac-12. When there are teams that are good, teams that like Ohio State trounced USC and UCF beat Auburn, teams like that. Or a couple years ago, even when Boise State beat Oklahoma, that's like 10 years ago now. But there are teams that are like, should they get a chance? Because regardless, it would be interesting television. And that is what I want. Interesting is the most important thing when you're watching television. And if you give a team like Central Florida a chance, that would have been fantastic must-watch television. So I think the college football playoff should expand. And again, if you need proof, look at Central Florida. They went 13-0, had a perfect season. They beat an SEC team that also beat Alabama. So look, I would love to see an expansion. I think 16 teams would be too much. An eight-team playoff is basically the perfect amount. It's like the Goldilocks theory. Too much, too little, just, just right is eight teams. Four teams is too little. 16 teams is too much. Eight teams is perfect. There are 40 bowl games. There are 40 bowl games every single year. So if you had 16 teams, uh, that would be 15 of those bowl games would be com- dedicated to the playoff. I think that's too many. I think that's far too many for a couple of reasons. First, it would take four games to get to the national championship. And, and that, that's too much. First, that's too, too exclusive. So you'd only have 16 teams and 15 bowl games. A lot of other programs will lose TV money because of their bowl games. And you can't have that. You can't have that many football programs excluded from the bowl game season and losing that much money. You'd also have too many games. So we got to look, think about player safety at least a little bit. Add three games a season. You're playing 17 games if you also make it to the national championship. 18 games, uh, it's, it's far worse. It's too many. So right now we're at, you play... 15 games to get to the national championship. If you 16, 16, uh, 16 games to get to the national championship. I think adding one more tier, one more week of games would be fine. I would not. Here's if I had an 18 college football playoff, what I would not do is I would not give the number one ranked team and the number two ranked team a bye week. I think then you would have too much arguing about who gets the number one and the number two seed because a bye week is a huge competitive advantage. I think you have number one play number eight, two play seven. 
three play six, five play four. Like just let it let it play out that way. I do not want to see a bye week. But I really, I really think an 18 college football playoff is the way to go. That would be a perfect decider. Because then you don't leave out teams like Ohio State and the Pac-12, and you would get a team like UCF in there. Auburn could have made it. I think we would have a lot less questions. There'd be a lot less contention. Look, four teams is better than two. It's better than it was. So we can't be too, we can't complain too much because beggars can't be choosers. And a four-team college football playoff, again, is better than what it used to be. But I think there is still definitely room to improve, and I would love to see an eight-team college football playoff. That would be seven of the 40 bowl games that would decide the college football playoff. I mean, if you need proof, University of Florida going 13-0 and having a perfect season is exactly why we need to expand the college football playoff. All right. I, I love, I, I absolutely love this time of the year. After the NFL regular season ends, there are always a ton of rumors, a ton of speculation. Coaches get fired. It is so fun to argue about who should have been hired, who should have been fired. I love it. I am, I'm a nerd. I love, oh, I love more than anything coaching rumors and all kinds of stuff. The big rumor right now is that John Gruden is going to be the next head coach for the Oakland Raiders. Now, I think, I think this is definitely going to happen. I, I, I love it. I think it's a great idea. Here's why. I love my life. I'm going to explain to you a long version of why John Gruden is perfect for the Raiders and why he will go to the Raiders. I love my life. I'm incredibly happy. I go to college. I make a podcast. I love my friends. I love where I am in life. However, I will always, always wonder, could I have played more football? I played, a li- I played my freshman year of college football at a school. My younger brother died. I left college completely. I took two, uh, a year and a half off of school. And I think about often, what if I'd kept playing football? Because I, I still have a cannon. I can still throw the ball really well. Um, I, I really think I could still play somewhere. And it will always, uh, it won't grind my gears. I'm really happy. I love the career path I'm on. I, I think I'm doing something awesome. I'm very excited. But it will always be a reality that I think I have more football in me. And I'll always think about it. What if? What if I'd walked on somewhere? What if I'd, what if I'd tried to play more? Because I, I, I really think I could have. That is what John Gruden is going to have to deal with the rest of his life if he does not go back and coach again in the NFL. Look, John Gruden has everything. John Gruden has a great career. He has all the money in the world. He has a great gig for ESPN. He's definitely, if he leaves and coaches, he's definitely going to get hired again. He's a great broadcaster. He's kind of reached the top of the mountain as a broadcaster. I think, honestly... He's a better broadcaster than he was ever a coach. And he won a Super Bowl. Like, he was a great coach. He's an even better broadcaster. He's a great broadcaster. But there will always be this question in the back of John Gruden's head. And I said this a month ago, by the way. I said this in the middle of November. I said John Gruden is going to go back and coach because he will always wonder, if he does not, what if? Could I have done it again? And I think John Gruden can do it again. John Gruden is probably, and I, I think pretty certainly, going to be the head coach, the next head coach of the Oakland Raiders. Now, now why the Raiders? Why would he choose the Raiders? Uh, and why would he? Because he's been getting offers for years. We've heard all kinds of rumors for years and years that John Gruden would be a head coach, and I've never believed them until now. This is the first time in my life I've actually believed that maybe John Gruden would go back and coach again in the NFL. Again, it's because he will always think about what if, and he knows he's getting older. Not He's not old by any stretch of the imagination, but he definitely is at a point in his life where he will wonder now, if he doesn't go back, he will think about what if. And the Raiders are a perfect scenario for John Gruden. 
when the Giants head coach was fired, everyone speculated that John Gruden was going to be the next head coach of the Giants. And I said, no, no way. Why would he go there? The Giants have no stability at quarterback. The reason why the Raiders work perfectly, the reason why the Raiders are the perfect solution for and the perfect fit for John Gruden is they have Derek Carr. Derek Carr, or John Gruden's not going to go coach anywhere that doesn't have a solidified quarterback. John Gruden does not want to put himself in a situation without a quarterback. He has, he's the, he created the Fired Football Coaches Association. And have you ever heard the term that there are two coaches in the NFL? <laughs> there are coaches with quarterbacks and there are fired coaches. John Gruden is well aware, no matter how good he does as a coach, if you don't have a fantastic quarterback, you can't win. You cannot win in the NFL without a quarterback. And that is why John Gruden and the Raiders are a perfect match. John Gruden likes Derek Carr. They got along. They did John Gruden's QB camp a couple years ago. It's a great fit. John Gruden will work well with the Raiders. He's been there before. He's probably going to get an ownership stake. I think John Gruden is definitely going to the Raiders. And I think John Gruden to the Raiders is a great, fantastic move. He should absolutely take the plunge and go to the Oakland Raiders. He can always get a broadcasting job again. He will always be able to recover and get another job. But if... John Gruden does not go back and coach in the NFL. He will always think about it. He will always wonder, what if? I think I had more in the tank, and I never found out. So that is why John Gruden is going to go back and once again coach in the NFL, this time for, and once again, actually, the Oakland Raiders. I want to shift gears. There's, again, I, to, I told you, this is my favorite time of the year. I absolutely stink and love Oh, I love this time of the year in the NFL. There are rumors and circulations and speculations Everywhere, everywhere. I want to tell you guys a story to explain this next story. Uh, I did not appreciate my ex-girlfriend. My ex-girlfriend was awesome. Uh, she really had flaws, wasn't perfect, but I, I really didn't appreciate how great she was. She did awesome things for me. She was uh, really supportive, and I, I didn't appreciate her probably as well as I should have. And my ex-girlfriend left me. She went and found someone else, and she's much happier now. She found someone who is the person she wanted me to be. I, I was never the guy she really wanted, and her new boyfriend really is the guy she wanted. He, he supports her. He appreciates her. She's much happier with this new guy. That perfectly describes Kirk Cousins' situation. Kirk Cousins, uh, well, it's rumored that the Broncos are highly interested in Kirk Cousins, and they are prepared to make a big, big offer to the Redskins' current quarterback. Take it. If you're Kirk Cousins, take that offer right now. Kirk Cousins would be a great fit. With the Broncos. Look, my ex-girlfriend is better off now. She's happier. She's with a guy who appreciates her, who has all the qualities she wants. The Broncos are that for Kirk Cousins. The Broncos are just a quarterback away. The Broncos have a fantastic roster. They have a great defense, full of great personnel. They have a good running back. They have good receivers. They have everything you could possibly want. They just do not have a quarterback. If the Broncos get a quarterback, they're a scary team. And man, the AFC West would be suddenly very very interesting. The Chiefs, the Raiders, the Broncos, all good. The Chargers kind of probably waning by next year, but man, they're good too. Ooh, ooh, I would love to see that. Kirk Cousins is a great fit in Denver. I think John Elway would have a, he would not uh, mentor him, but he would have conversations definitely with Kirk and teach him how to be a pro even more. Kirk Cousins is a great quarterback. He's underrated by many people. Many people don't think of Kirk Cousins as one of the great quarterbacks. I, I labeled Kirk Cousins a tier two quarterback. If you give Kirk Cousins enough help around him, he can win you a Super Bowl. And if you put Kirk Cousins on the Broncos, overnight the Broncos are a possible, 
They're a team that could possibly win a Super Bowl because Kirk Cousins mixed with the great roster that the Broncos have. Again, that's overnight success. That is a match made in heaven. Kirk Cousins needs to leave the Redskins. We heard Jay Gruden, John Gruden's brother, actually uh, was pretty lukewarm when he talked about Kirk Cousins in the, uh, after the Week 17. I think they won or, I don't care, won or lost. He was pretty lukewarm. He said we need to reevaluate Kirk Cousins. And that's that is not a, a someone I'd want to play for. If someone's reevaluating me, that's not saying, yeah, Kirk is great. Because he could have said, Kirk is great. Kirk is awesome. He did not say that. And, and that tells me Kirk Cousins, get out of Dodge. Leave Washington. Leave Jay Gruden. Go to the Broncos. Go somewhere you're wanted. Just like my girlfriend left me, go find someone who appreciates you. Go find the Broncos. The Broncos will appreciate Kirk Cousins. Give him what he deserves and give him all the support he needs so he can be successful. Kirk Cousins and the Broncos are a great marriage. That is exactly what should happen. Kirk Cousins should go to the Denver Broncos. All right, I want to, before we take a break, there's one more thing I want to talk about. Uh, I remember a couple years ago, <laughs> a couple years ago, a buddy of mine really wanted to break up with his girlfriend. And then the girl's grandma died. What do you do? Like, what do you do in that situation? Because you don't want, the girl's already having a hard time. Her grandma just died. You can't add to the pain. You can't add insult to injury and then break up with her. You look like a, a mean guy. You don't want that narrative around you. Oh, her grandma died and then he broke up with her, right? So my friend waited like six more months before he broke up with his girlfriend. He just, he could not add. He didn't want to add to the pain she was already going through. Uh, Chuck Pagano was just fired by the Indianapolis Colts. And that is just an amplified version of that exact same story I told about my friend and his ex-girlfriend. Um... I, for the record, I have two moms. So I have two, it's very confusing. I live with my best friend's family. I consider his mom, my mom. And I also have my birth mom. I have two moms, just for the record. One of my moms got cancer. Um, so I, I understand how much, how important cancer is, how heavy that news is. I've been in a conversation in the room with someone telling you I have cancer. It's awful. It's really terrible. Cancer is a very, very serious issue. And a couple of years ago when Chuck Pagano got cancer, um, that was a big moment for the Colts because that has stuck with the Colts for years and years. And that is why it took so long for Chuck Pagano to get fired. Same reason why my buddy didn't break up with his girlfriend when her grandma died. Because look, I don't want to add insult to injury. This is a bad situation. We got to just kind of wait it out. And once the six months passed, my buddy broke up with his girlfriend. Once a couple of years passed, all right, the Colts are now through the thick of things. Uh, the Chuck Strong effect is worn off and now we can fire Chuck Pagano. That's truth. It, it's, it's harsh reality, but it's true. Chuck Pagano would have been fired much sooner if he hadn't gotten cancer. If he'd gotten, had a heart attack or a heart disease or literally almost anything else, anything but cancer, Chuck Pagano probably would have been fired years ago. But because he had cancer, um, and, and it's, again, it's harsh, but it's true. That is why Chuck Pagano stuck around so long in Indianapolis with the Colts. I like Chuck Pagano. Chuck Pagano is a good guy. He seems like a good guy through the television, through the internet. Um, but Chuck Pagano is not a head coach. He had Andrew Luck. He, had, he used to have all right defensive personnel, and he could not make it happen. I just don't look at him and think, that's a leader I want to follow. Chuck will be a coach again. He's going to probably be the defensive coordinator once again for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, and he's a good defensive coordinator. But Chuck Pagano is not a head coach. And, and it took... Far too long. It, it good. It's about time, actually, Chuck Pagano get fired in Indianapolis. Good guy, just not a head coach. It, it was time for Chuck Pagano to go in Indianapolis. All right, my name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. I'm going to take a short break. 
When I return, coming up next, I'm going to give you guys my Super Bowl prediction. I know I, I have a strong belief, and I think I know who's going to, what two teams are going to make it into the Super Bowl, and I, I know which one of the two is going to win. Uh, a lot more football firings and rumors coming up next, and I have a very strong opinion that I'm so, oh, I'm so excited. This this one was going to be the top of the show for Monday, well, yesterday, but the show got postponed, whatever. This is the best story of the year. This is a great, uh, great opinion. I can't wait to share. I strongly believe Sam Darnold should leave USC, leave college, and go play for the Cleveland Browns. And I'll tell you why next. My name is Zach Shalmer. You can uh, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on YouTube. Come on to Spotify and Google Play next week. You can find my full entire podcast on YouTube. You can also find my best and most interesting clips. Tell your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. That is my pl- game plan. That is how I plan to grow Strong Opinion Sports is through you guys sharing links on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, and telling your friends about Strong Opinion Sports face-to-face. Continue to tell your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. My name is Zach Schaumler. I will be right back. All right, we are back. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Uh, For the record, I give out many, many opinions every single week. And I do not expect you guys to agree with everything I say. I think if you guys agreed with everything I said, that would be pretty weird. So look, it's okay to disagree. You and I, we're going to disagree a lot. And that's that's totally fine. There's no one. I can't think of anyone in the world I 100% agree with all the time. Even my younger brother. My younger brother is one of my closest friends. Him and I disagree on uh, very strong, controversial opinions. Uh, strong, uh, controversial topics all the time. Yet Him and I are like great friends. We talk almost every day. I have, I have two promises for strong opinion sports. I promise I will always be authentic, and I promise I will always be interesting. Um, I will never, ever, ever say something I do not believe just to get viewers. I, I don't believe in that. I will always be authentic. I will always tell you what I actually believe, and I will not waste your time. Look, I, I know you I, I hate. I hate filler. I hate, that's why I don't watch live television. That's why I love Stranger Things. I like Netflix better as a principal because you can make shows that have to be as long as they need to. You're not trying to fill 24 time slots. I don't believe in wasting your time. Even if you disagree with me, I will always be interesting and worth your time. So again, my two promises, my two goals, I will always be authentic and I will always be interesting. With that said, I want you guys to hear me out. I have a strong, strong belief that Sam Darnold should leave USC and go play for the Cleveland Browns. Here is why. Again, hear me out. Hear me out all the way. I was listening to uh, Kyle Shanahan talk last week, and he talked about how all you can really judge when you evaluate a quarterback in college is their arm talent. How well can they throw the ball downfield? Kyle Shanahan, the San Francisco 49ers head coach, believes that all you can evaluate once again is arm talent. I disagree. I think there are two things you can evaluate. I think you can evaluate arm talent and you can also evaluate what kind of person you are. Cause we, you know, Deshaun Watson, when I watched Deshaun Watson at Clemson, I was like, this guy has it. I don't know what it means, but I know that when the big bright lights are on and when the moment is at its most, uh, the pressure is on and it's the hardest moment to be successful. Deshaun Watson always seemed to pull through and perform. The national championships, he always pulled through. He always brought his best in the biggest games. That is why I thought Deshaun Watson, even though he didn't play in an NFL offense, even though he times, at times struggled with the deep ball, Deshaun Watson clearly had it. You could judge what kind of person Deshaun Watson was 
by watching him in college at Clemson. When I watched Cam Newton, I saw a ton of talent. I saw a ton of raw talent, but I didn't see a guy I believed in. I didn't see a guy who was a good leader. I thought Cam Newton was immature even when he was in college at Auburn. And I've been right. Look at Cam Newton's flaws every year. It's the guy's still incredibly immature. Or look at Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow was all leader, no talent. He had a great personality. Everybody loved him, but he couldn't throw the dang football, so it didn't work. When you look at Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold is a ton of talent and a ton of leadership. Sam Darnold's a great guy. I've met Sam Darnold. I've shook his hand. Sam Darnold's a fantastic guy. I've been on that football field with Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen. I take Sam Darnold every day, all the time. Sam Darnold is a great guy and a great leader. So the reason why Kyle Shanahan doesn't believe you can evaluate the way a quarterback reads a defense in college is because Kyle Shanahan does not trust college coaches. That's why Kyle Shanahan says all you can evaluate is the way a guy throws a football. And and I don't blame him. Look at Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield's numbers are inflated when he throws a bunch of bubble screens. That's why quarterbacks look so great in college. That's why Luke Falk. Luke Falk, my favorite, uh, the quarterback, the former quarterback for my favorite football team, Washington State. His numbers are astounding, but he, he throws the ball more than anybody else, and he throws a ton, a ton of little easy passes. Look, that's why Luke Falk's numbers are so great. They're inflated. You can't judge him the same way you judge, I don't know, Sam Darnold or Kyle Allen at Wyoming. They have different offenses. They run different numbers. So I think you, the two things you can always judge from a college football quarterback are the kind of person they are and their arm talent. Sam Darnold has a ton of arm talent. He also has a ton of issues. You look at him at USC, tons of turnovers, tons of interceptions, tons of fumbles. Uh, but let's be honest about Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold has carried USC for the last couple of years. Sam Darnold, uh, last two years, is the reason why USC has been competitive. Look at where USC was before Sam Darnold started playing for them. They had Max Brown, a guy from my area, uh, Skyline High School, actually, rep in Washington. Max Brown wasn't moving the offense. It didn't matter how talented USC was. Max Brown wasn't making it happen. Enter Sam Darnold. Suddenly, USC is a fantastic team. USC is a national power, thanks to Sam Darnold. So even though Sam Darnold has all these problems, uh, the reason why USC is winning is because of Sam Darnold. You watched USC get trounced and smacked around by Ohio State. That is because Ohio State has better players and is a far better team. USC is not doesn't have great personnel. To compare, I watched Washington State and US, Washington State, my favorite team. I watched this live. USC lost to Washington State and got pushed around at times by Washington State, who got annihilated and pushed around by Michigan State, lowly Michigan State. USC is not the top powerhouse we think they are. They have don't have great athletes, and they don't have great coaching, and that is why Sam Darnold needs to leave USC. He's carrying USC on his back, and he's being exposed and not getting the help he needs because he doesn't have great coaching at USC. Where are all the great coaches in football? They're in the NFL. And that is why Sam Darnold needs to go to the NFL. Look, Sam Darnold has a lot of growth to go, but he's not going to get better at USC. He's not going to get better with the mediocre coaching that USC has. Sam Darnold needs to go to the NFL, and he needs to go to the Cleveland Browns. I know that sounds crazy, but hear me out. Hugh Jackson is the head coach for the Cleveland Browns. He's known as a quarterback whisperer. He's a great, fantastic quarterback coach. Look at, he developed Joe Flacco into a Super Bowl winning quarterback. And then he left. That's why Joe Flacco, in my opinion, is struggling now the way he is. The best years of Carson Palmer, Hugh Jackson. The best years of Andy Dalton, 
Hugh Jackman, Hugh Jackman over and over and over again has elevated every quarterback he played with. And now you're sitting there thinking, well, why didn't he make Deshaun Kaiser a better quarterback for the Cleveland Browns this year? Here's why. <laughs> I don't think Deshaun Kaiser understands what it takes to be a professional quarterback. He does not get it. Deshaun Kaiser, the current Cleveland Browns quarterback, is not a pro. There were rumors of him and, and actually proof of him out at clubs at one in the morning the weekend of a game. He doesn't get it. He's not a pro. Sam Darnold gets it. If you put Sam Darnold up there with Hugh Jackson, a great coach, a great coach with a guy who gets it, Sam Darnold could do great things with the Browns. But also listen to this. I've met Josh Rosen and I've met Sam Darnold. Josh Rosen is not the guy that can turn around the Cleveland Browns. Look, Baker Mayfield, I love Baker Mayfield. But he has a weak arm. He can't play in the AFC North. The cold weather, the snow, it doesn't work. And his antics on and off the field are too similar to Johnny Manziel. I think that's a... I don't like that. Those antics, and that, that reminds me too much of Johnny Menzel. We already did that once in Cleveland. And Josh Rosen, once again, does not have the maturity and doesn't even want to play in Cleveland. He really doesn't. Sam could do it. If anyone can turn around the Cleveland Browns, in fact, I think the only person that can turn around the Cleveland Browns, Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold has that. Sam Darnold has that mentality. He can make it happen. And this feels incredibly weird to say. I, I hate it. It makes me want to puke a little bit. The Cleveland Browns are actually a great opportunity. As weird as that sounds, hear me out. Right now, the Cleveland Browns have two picks in the top four in the NFL, and they have a bunch of great picks later down the road. They can get two great transformative players through the NFL draft this year and many good draft picks later. They also play in the declining AFC North. So think about, uh, in comparison, think about the New York Giants right now. The Giants play in the same division as Dak Prescott, Carson Wentz, Jay Gruden, and the Redskins, who aren't that bad. Uh, if you want to be the coach of the Giants, you have a tough task and a very tough division. That's like stepping into the NFC West. You don't want to mess with the Seahawks and the Cardinals and the 49ers and the Rams. You don't want to play in a tough division like that. Well, look at the future of the AFC North where the Browns play. Uh, the Steelers have Big Ben. Big Ben is waning. The years of Big Ben being a dominant, great quarterback in the NFL are coming to an end very quickly. You have Joe Flacco. The Ravens are stuck with Joe Flacco. He's not a great quarterback. He's a good quarterback. He was better with Hugh Jackson, might I add. But right now, he's like, eh, he's fine. He won a Super Bowl. He's fine. And then the Bengals have Andy Dalton. And Andy Dalton right now, I mean, I don't know. I just, I, I don't believe it. So, so right now, the Steelers are going to decline very soon. The Ravens will decline very soon. The, bra the, bra the Bengals are already underperforming. I think, actually, Cleveland's a good opportunity. You have a, a lot of patience. So the reason why the 49ers are going to work so well right now is they have a ton of patience and they have low expectations. They've been elevated by Jimmy Garoppolo, but the owner said, look, I will sign your general manager and your coach to six-year deals each. Low expectations means a lot of job security. And that is what the Cleveland Browns have right now. They went 0-16 and they kept their head coach. If that doesn't show that they have low expectations, I, I don't know what does. So they have good draft picks. The Browns play in a weak division. The Browns have patience. It can take time and the Browns will still be okay. If you draft Sam Darnold and you have Hugh Jackson, Hugh Jackson gets a couple years. I really believe that. They will give, if, if Sam Darnold shows even a, a hint of promise, if they win one game next year, I think Hugh Jackson stays. So I think Sam Darnold should look at the Browns as actually a good opportunity to build something. And I think Sam Darnold is the kind of guy that could build something. I, I sound crazy. I know I sound, it feels weird to say. I really, truly believe the Cleveland Browns are a good opportunity. Get that out of your head. 
I know there's a stigma around the Browns. Oh, they're the Browns. They'll never fix it. If you don't believe in life change, uh, you're, you're crazy. Look at me. I, I wasn't. I have changed more in the last two years since my brother has died than I think many people probably never will change as drastically as I have in the last two years. I completely changed my entire life. I changed my focus. I went from a finance major and kind of a dick to the guy I am now. I think I'm a great guy who really cares about people. And that was because a, a big impact shifted my life when my younger brother died. People can change. Cultures can change. The Cleveland Browns can change. I think the Cleveland Browns are a great opportunity. If I'm Sam Darnold, I leave USC. I leave the toxic environment and the help I'm not getting. I leave bad coaching at USC where I have way too much on my shoulders and too high of expectations, and I would go to the Cleveland Browns. Do I sound crazy? Probably. You probably are sitting there like, yeah, right, Zach. You're insane. I love you, but I'm not buying that one. Hey, fair to you. I, just, I truly believe that. I really think Sam Darnold should leave USC. If I'm his dad, I'm saying, look, son, think about this. The Browns have good coaches, and USC's not giving you the help you need. I think it's very possible Sam Darnold might leave. Probably not. He likes, you know, he likes LA. He's the king of LA right now. Um, but if I'm Sam Darnold, I'm thinking very hard about, hey, I'm not getting the help I really deserve here. And I might leave for the Cleveland Browns. I want to stick with the NFL draft. I want to talk now about Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley just uh, entered the NFL draft. He just said he was now going to leave Penn State and stop playing for the Nittany Lions and go enter the NFL draft. I love it. I fully support it. And I think it's a great move. Remember, Saquon Barkley was in the Heisman race. He's dominant. He's really good. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's a great running back with great vision. He's fast. He's a great athlete. Here's why I support this. Here's why I think Saquon Barkley declaring for the NFL draft was the right move and a great move. For the record, I don't buy bananas. I, 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 I'm terrible at... When I buy bananas, I don't eat them right away. I take forever. They always end up spoiling on my shelf. That's because bananas go bad fairly quickly. I, I can't. Get, I have to get foods like tuna and canned stuff because I, I just don't get the food very often. I don't eat enough at home to have a food like bananas or lettuce. My 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 foods that can spoil always do spoil because I'm just terrible eating at home. That's why I don't buy bananas, and that's why Saquon Barkley should enter the NFL draft. Running backs have a short shelf life. Running backs they don't last very long. They take a ton of hits and they they flame out in like five years. If I'm Saquon Barkley, I'm like, look, I can only take a certain number of hits in my career. I'm going to go to the NFL right now while I still have an opportunity and while my body's still fresh. So yeah, go, go, to, go to the NFL. You'll make a ton of money. You can always get a degree later. If it fails, you'll make money now. But if I'm Saquon Barkley, I, I completely think he's doing the right thing. Running back's a weird, weird situation where, you know, uh, no, I wouldn't always tell a quarterback to leave his junior year or leave as soon as possible because you want to get as much preparation as possible. Usually, normally, not in Sam Darnold's case, but normally you want to get as much preparation as possible before you enter the NFL draft. Running back's different. Running back is not like that. Again, you have only a certain number of hits before your body just can't take the hits anymore. Look at Maurice Jones-Drew. Maurice Jones-Drew is a great running back for the Jaguars. He's now a broadcaster. He's like 28. He's fairly young. He's just, your body can only take so many hits. So Saquon Barkley entering the NFL draft. I noticed that the other day. And I was like, hey, that's a great move. You should go now. Go while you're still in your prime. You don't owe Penn State anything. You won them a ton of games this year. You did a great job for them. Take care of yourself. Your shelf life's very short. If you're a running back, leave as soon as you possibly can and enter the NFL draft. Let's shift gears now to Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett is the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, and the Dallas Cowboys missed the playoffs this year, which means a lot of people have been calling for his job. I've been seeing on Twitter. I've been seeing everywhere. Fire Jason Garrett. 
oh, the Cowboys didn't make the playoffs. We need to get rid of our head coach. And I'm like, guys, you're insane. Are you kidding me? Like, okay, well, let me ask you then. If you want to fire Jason Garrett, what's your plan? Like, who are you going to replace Jason Garrett with? And there was like, yeah, 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 Nick Saban. I'm like, no, it's, that's, that's insanity. Now you're not talking. Nick Saban's not leaving Alabama. You're not speaking in reasonable terms that make sense. Jason Garrett's the right guy for the Dallas Cowboys job. Here's why I do not believe Jason Garrett should be fired by the Dallas Cowboys and why I think you should give Jason Garrett a couple more years. So first of all, there are so many issues with the Cowboys roster. The Cowboys roster has all kinds of personnel issues. They're far too reliant on Ezekiel Elliott. They're far too reliant on Sean Lee on defense. I, I look at the numbers, by the way, without Sean Lee. Without Sean Lee on defense, the Cowboys basically can't win. They're like a, a completely different team. You think it's Ezekiel Elliott. You think it's Dak Prescott. The truth is, the Dallas Cowboys' most valuable player is Sean Lee, and you need to get defensive personnel around him so you can deal with absences from guys like Sean Lee. If you can't win without your running back, you're making a lot of mistakes. You need to get better wide receivers for Dak Prescott, and you need to help. Dak Prescott developed a lot, but we need to get him better weapons so we can be more successful. Like Des Bryant, Des Bryant's a mess. We need to replace Des Bryant. If you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, I'm not, but if you are, you need to be calling for Des Bryant to be replaced right away. Get some receivers there for Dak Prescott who can actually win games. And let's think about this. Before Ezekiel Elliott got suspended, the Cowboys were in prime position to make the playoffs. Ezekiel Elliott gets suspended and your season takes a big dive. Without that six-game suspension, the Cowboys would probably be in the playoffs. So look, you can hate on Jason Garrett all you want. You can say that Jason Garrett needs to be fired as many times as you want to. But look, Jason Garrett's the right guy for the job. You need to worry about your other problems first. Like You wouldn't tell me, uh, there's a thing in the, I can't remember where it's from, it's fix the thorn in your own eye before you tell someone else about their thorn. There are bigger problems to worry about if you're the Dallas Cowboys than your head coach. Your roster's a mess. You have all kinds of problems, all kinds of issues. Worry about your personnel issues, then worry about your coach. Once you have a great roster and a great team, then it's inexcusable. But the guys Jason Garrett has to work with aren't, simply aren't good enough. So until Jason Garrett has a great roster with the Dallas Cowboys, and if he still can't win with those great guys, then we can fire the guy. Then we can criticize him for not winning. But I wouldn't get mad at, my favorite team is Washington State. I would not get mad at Mike Leach, even though it's his job to recruit. It's a little different. I wouldn't get mad at Mike Leach. Why didn't you beat Alabama? Well, Mike Leach doesn't have the tools to beat Alabama. Look at the guys Jason Garrett's trying to win with, and he does not have the tools he needs to win as many games as he possibly could. And I think Jerry Jones gets it. I heard Jerry Jones talking about Jason Garrett after their loss at the end of the season. Uh, I think it was the Seahawks that kind of ended their season, basically, and knocked him out of the playoffs. And when that happened, Jason, uh, Jerry Jones, the Cowboys owner, said, look, Jason Garrett's the guy for the job. He basically said, it seemed like he got it. It seemed like he understood, yeah, the roster really isn't where it needs to be. So that is why Jason Garrett should not be fired by the Dallas Cowboys. I want to hone in on Des Bryant. Des Bryant is the, he's like, considered the best wide receiver for the Cowboys. He's really not. Des Bryant, mm, he's kind of a mess. Des Bryant's 29. His numbers are very quickly declining. And he's dropping a ton of, I think he was in the top five, definitely the top 10 of drops in all of the NFL. Des Bryant dropped a ton of passes this year. It became a point of contention, actually, where you'd have Dak Prescott talking about, yeah, I just got to throw him a perfect pass. And basically said, I can't give Des Bryant an excuse for dropping a football. So Des Bryant really is not self-aware. Des Bryant will not take a pay cut. Again, this is a problem where Des Bryant simply doesn't get it. 
Des Bryant has very little self-awareness. So I want to be a broadcaster. Uh, I, I've said many times before, my dream is to have uh, my own company. I want to, and if I can't have my own company, I want to go work for a network like Fox or ESPN or yada yada. Uh, but I have to be very honest with myself. Look at me. I'm like a six, maybe seven out of 10. I'm not a Hollister model. I'm not going to walk into any job interview and they go, oh, wow, look at him. I'm sold. You're hired. It's never going to happen. I'm going to have to prove myself. I need to be good at speak. And I have also, let's be honest, I have a, t- I have a rough voice. I don't have the best golden voice of any broadcaster. So for me to be successful as a broadcaster, I need to be clever and interesting and be good at telling stories. I need to actually be a good broadcaster. I won't get jobs just because I have a perfect golden voice or have the great parted hair. I don't. I wish I did, but I don't. I have self-awareness. Des Bryant does not have this self-awareness. Des Bryant doesn't seem to understand. I'm not as fast as I used to be. I dropped too many passes. I'm not as good. I'm not as quick. I'm not as good at bursts. And we saw there was a, sh- a moment in time where Larry Fitzgerald dealt with the same exact problem. And Larry Fitzgerald, when he was told that, hey, man, you're not the same guy, he responded to that challenge and, and did. He brought different things to the table. He found a way to become a great blocker. He became a possession wide receiver. He now they throw him bubble screens. He does other things. He's not just he's not the same deep thirty once was. But Larry Fitzgerald said, I'm still going to find a way to be productive. And Des Bryant doesn't have the self-awareness to say, I need to find new ways to contribute to my offense. Des Bryant's lack of self-awareness is hurting him and will be a problem down the road. I think if I'm the Dallas Cowboys, I would trade and I would find a way to get rid of Des Bryant. Maybe the Seahawks will take him. Maybe a trade Earl Thomas for Des Bryant. If I'm the Seahawks, there's no way in hell I'm doing that. But I'm just saying... You got to find a way to get rid of Des Bryant or make him take a pay cut or something because Des Bryant is holding you back and holding back the Dallas Cowboys offense and not doing Dak Prescott, the Cowboys quarterback, any favors. Des Bryant lacks self-awareness and that is holding back the Dallas Cowboys. All right, there's a very sad story I want to talk about. Before we go to break, um, this was maybe the saddest story in all of the NFL this week. Bruce Arians, the Arizona Cardinals head coach, has now retired. Uh, it, it broke. Uh, by the way, so did Carson Palmer, their quarterback, but I care much less about that because it, w- it was time for Carson Palmer to retire. But I'm really sad when I hear that Bruce Arians retired. It hurts my soul. It's a missed opportunity because Bruce Arians is a great, great quarterback coach. He like I talked about Hugh Jackson. Now, Hugh Jackson's kind of a quarterback whisperer, whisperer. The truth is Bruce Arians is the best of the bunch. He coached Ben Roth, young Ben Roethlisberger. He coached Peyton Manning as a rookie. He coached Andrew Luck as a rookie. Bruce Arians has been there, done that. He's a great, fantastic quarterback coach. And I really, really wanted to see Bruce Arians with Baker Mayfield. I so badly wanted to see the Cardinals draft Baker Mayfield so he could work closely with Bruce Arians. It's now not going to happen. It's very sad. It really makes me upset. And the truth is, the reason why this is such a big missed opportunity is that Bruce Arians never, ever had a great quarterback. He never had a, I mean, if Bruce Arians worked with a guy like Drew Brees or Phillip Rivers or any quarterback in their prime, he would have been a fantastic head coach. But he got kind of screwed over when the Colts wouldn't fire Chuck Pagano. He lost Andrew Luck. And he got an old, in fact, he revitalized for a couple years Carson Palmer's career. And Carson Palmer was all but a lame duck. I mean, Carson Palmer's career was over and it was reinvigorated and brought back to life by Bruce Arians. And I'm really sad I'm never going to see Bruce Arians coach with a great quarterback on his roster because, man, that would have been a sight to see. It's really sad when someone leaves with more on the table. 
Um, but I, I hope Bruce Arians has a fantastic, great retirement. Bruce, I'm a big fan of yours. I think you're a great guy. Everyone speaks so, so highly of Bruce Arians. And I want to tell you guys a story. Bruce Arians would not let his, fam- his, his employees, Bruce Arians would not let his fellow coaches on their staff sleep in the office. Bruce Arians said, go home to your family. Football is not that important. He was a family man that wanted you to spend time with your family, and I love that. And he still, somehow, despite all of that, won a ton of games with the Arizona Cardinals. He's the winningest head coach in the history of the Arizona Cardinals. That's awesome. That's a cool guy. That's a guy that everyone loves. Everybody respects Bruce Arians. I'm really sad. You know, he beat the my favorite team, the Seattle Seahawks, last weekend. It was pretty bittersweet to watch this guy have his final moment with the Arizona Cardinals. I knew it was. I probably was. Um, and it was just really sad. Bruce Arians, they'll be missed. I respect you a ton. I'm glad I don't have to play you twice a year now as a Seahawks fan. Um, but I'm really sad because I think we saw we had a missed opportunity. I would have loved to see Bruce Arians coach a really great, fantastic quarterback in his prime. And we'll never see that. So, Bruce, I hope you have a fantastic retirement. You will be missed by the NFL. Uh, you did a great job. You were a great, great coach and a great guy. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Coming up next, uh, those those topics weren't as exciting. I thought they'd be great, and they really didn't feel as exciting as I wanted them to be. I'm upset about that. But we have good topics up ahead. We're going to talk about the Seattle Seahawks. We're going to talk about Isaiah Thomas, and I will give you my Super Bowl prediction. There are two teams, I think, that will make it to the Super Bowl, and I believe one of them has the edge and will win the Super Bowl this year. My name is Zach Schalmer. You can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on YouTube. We're coming to Google Play next week. I'll put it on Spotify podcast next week. You can find the full entire 45 minute to an hour podcast on YouTube. You can also find my best and most interesting clips on YouTube. Tell your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. I want to have my own studio. I'm working out of a bedroom right now. I want to someday have a bedroom that looks nicer and has a cool background and better camera equipment, yada, yada. My own space. I don't have to move every time I want to upload a podcast to a different room because my internet is so bad. Tell your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. Help me grow. We did get to 200 subscribers on YouTube. So last week I was really excited because Strong Opinion Sports got to 100 subscribers. In just a week, we doubled our subscribers. We're now up to 216 as of this morning. That's so incredible. That's awesome. Continue to tell your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. My name is Zach Schaumler. I will be right back. All right, I am back. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. I want to talk about my beloved Seattle Seahawks, my favorite team in the NFL. Uh, My Seattle Seahawks have missed the playoffs. I'm sad. I'm kind of upset. Um, They lost to the Arizona Cardinals on Sunday, however, and their kicker, Blair Walsh, missed a field goal, which pretty much was the main reason why they lost. Now, they would have not made the playoffs anyways because the Falcons beat the Panthers. But I want to talk now about Blair Walsh. Because um, they, they lost a couple games this year because of Blair Walsh. Blair Walsh would miss field goals at the end of games. And he was not clutch. Did not come through. And Blair Walsh was the reason the Seahawks lost multiple games this year in the NFL. Let's talk about tattoos. So tattoos are something I've, ne- I've never gotten a tattoo. I wanted somebody to get a tattoo that says, talk less do more because everyone always has these excuses and all these reasons and want to tell you about this and that they need to shut up and work i want to get i have so many cool tattoo ideas that i want to get someday and when i tell people i want to get a tattoo everyone says make sure you get a good tattoo artist so it seems like to me there are two things in the world you cannot cheap out on you cannot cheap out on tattoos and you cannot cheap out on nfl kickers here's the truth 
Last year, the Seattle Seahawks had a chance to re-sign their kicker, Stephen Hauschka. Stephen Hauschka made big kicks. Stephen Hauschka was dependable. And the Seattle Seahawks were not willing to pay him the money he deserved and instead signed the, uh, their, their new kicker, Blair Walsh. The Seahawks cheaped out on a kicker. They did not get a kicker who was good enough to win in the NFL. And that is why the Seahawks have struggled and lost multiple games this year. It's because Blair Walsh simply is not good enough. They should have paid more. You pay more for tattoos. You pay more for your anniversary dinner. You don't go to McDonald's. And you pay more for NFL kickers. Kickers are very important. Don't devalue them. You need you need quarterback to win. You also need a kicker to make gig, big kicks. However, I will say this. This is not just Blair Walsh's fault. We can blame Blair Walsh all we want for missing kicks at the end of games. But the truth is, if the Seahawks had just left no doubt, the Seahawks would not have had problems. The Seahawks would have, would have won all those games. I lost a huge, huge game my junior year. So my first varsity start of my entire life um, was against our division rival, like our, our big, huge Southwest Washington rival. It's the biggest rivalry in Southwest Washington. Columbia River and Skyview hate each other. And look up River Skyview on YouTube. You will find what happened. Uh, we lost a very controversial way. And our team wanted to blame the refs. Our team was like, that's unfair. We should blame the refs. That shouldn't have happened, yada, yada. We lost on national TV. It was super embarrassing. The truth is, if we just taken care of business, if we'd not left the game in the hands of the referees, if we'd not left it down to that final play, we'd never have made national TV. It never would have mattered. The lesson I learned from that loss was if you win by 20 points, that play at the end of the game does not matter. And the Seahawks, to be honest, they could have scored more points. They could have played better on defense. It's not just Blair Walsh's fault. Yes, Blair Walsh missed the kick at the end of the game. But you got to remember, there were plenty of opportunities for the Seahawks to win these games, and they did not. Sometimes you just come up short. But look, let's be honest. Again, if the Seahawks had won by 20 points, that final kick would not have mattered and it would have never come to that. So you can blame Blair Walsh all you want. He's at fault. He really should have made those kicks. If he makes those kicks, the Seahawks would have won more games this year. But (laughs) the truth is, the Seahawks could have also taken care of business a little better. So, hey, it's all about perspective. You can blame Blair Walsh. You can blame the offensive line. You can blame the defense, whoever you want. But football's a team game. And it never comes down to just one player, just one play. It does often come down to one player, one player. But it's not just Blair Walsh's fault. The Seahawks missed plenty of opportunities on offense and defense and could have won the game this week against the Arizona Cardinals. That is just my two cents. That is what I believe. I think the Seahawks need to trade their defensive stars. It is time for the Seahawks to move on from guys like Earl Thomas and Michael Bennett and Richard Sherman and... Uh, Brandon Brown, Brandon Brown, he's gone. I don't remember his name. Whatever. They need to open cap room and get new stars for the Seahawks. Russell Wilson needs an offensive line. He needs offensive weapons. We as Seahawks fans always, always take Russell Wilson for granted. It drives me nuts. It really is so annoying. Russell Wilson's not going to last forever. Russell Wilson can only take so many hits before the guy's done. You think he's going to be able to run around and make plays forever? No. Russell Wilson, it's, I don't don't know how old. Eventually, though, Russell Wilson's not going to be able to run around and juke people like he does right now. He made an incredible play earlier this year. He he ran around, juked someone, threw the ball down the sideline. That will not last forever. Eventually, Russell Wilson's body is going to slow down, and he's going to need to be more of a pocket passer. So the Seahawks need to take care of their quarterback. Get him an offensive line. Please, please, I've been saying this for three years. Can we get Russell Wilson an offensive line that's competent and can protect the quarterback? 
That is what the Seahawks need, and it is time for us as Seahawks fans to say, look, John Snyder, the Seahawks organization, get your quarterback and offensive line, get him some weapons, and invest in the offense. Get Russell Wilson some help so we don't waste the best years he has going for him. Because Russell Wilson's an MVP candidate. He could have been the MVP this year. And his caliber of play won't last there forever. And I would hate for us to miss an opportunity and not give him the support that he needs. Let's shift gears to Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas was just reintroduced to the Cleveland Cavaliers roster. And, oh, man, he played great. Tonight he had, it was a success. It was an overwhelming success, uh, the Cavaliers and Isaiah Thomas's marriage. He played well. He looked great. He scored 17 points in 19 minutes. Uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers won 127 to 110 over the hometown, at least my hometown, Portland Blazers. Um, however, we need to have patience with the Cavaliers. I know it's great right now. I know they've won one game. Isaiah Thomas played 19 minutes, had 17 points. It was all great. It may not be great forever. You know, there might be some turbulence along the way, but we need to just be positive and hang in there. I, I know that the first initial presentation of Isaiah Thomas with the Cleveland Cavaliers looked fantastic. Again, there may be some turbulence, but hang in there. Well, my, my mom, I've talked about my mom earlier, earlier on this podcast many times before. Uh, my mom makes a great spaghetti sauce, but she didn't always make a great spaghetti sauce. There were times where... When she was figuring out the recipe, it would taste great, and then it would taste bad the next week, and the next week it'd be back to good, and she was figuring it out. Now she's nailed it down. My mom makes great spaghetti sauce because she's figured out the perfect recipe. But there were times where it was spotty. It would look great. It would look bad. It was fluctuating. That will be the Cleveland Cavaliers over the next month and a half, maybe, where month, month and a half, who knows? But who knows about the amount of time? But the Cleveland Cavaliers are just going to need patience. Give them time to figure it out. Right now, they looked great. They look great tonight. Maybe tomorrow they struggle. Maybe the next night they look good. But just give it time. Eventually they'll get in a rhythm. And just like my mom perfected her spaghetti recipe, the Cleveland Cavaliers will make a perfect recipe for success. That includes Isaiah Thomas. I think the Cleveland Cavaliers are obviously a far better team with Isaiah Thomas. And he gives them a much better chance to beat the Warriors down the road in the NBA Finals. I'm very excited for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Let's talk now about the... Speaking about patience, let's talk about the Oklahoma City Thunder. We need to give the Oklahoma City Thunder patience. They added Carmelo Anthony. They added Paul George. They put that with Paul uh, Russell Westbrook. And, and I got it. It says in my notes, mention Stephen Adams. Yeah, Stephen Adams does exist. He is the fourth star for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Right now, the Oklahoma City Thunder have won 12 of their last 17. They're on a two-game losing streak. Uh, but they're fifth in the West, and we need to have patience. I don't know that the Oklahoma City Thunder are going to figure it out. They, they might be one year, and, and then Paul George leaves and Carmelo Anthony goes somewhere else. But I do know this. The story is not finished in Oklahoma City. They are not, they're not done going through turbulence. They haven't figured it all out, but they still could. They're going to make the playoffs. I, I, I truly believe that. They're fifth in the West. And they're getting better. You can't deny they're getting better. They have problems. They're not perfect. But just like... I talked about earlier, my, my mom uh, was figuring out her spaghetti recipe. Until she perfected it, it took time. That is the same thing with the Oklahoma City Thunder. We don't know. I don't know if they're going to turn out good or if they're going to turn out bad. But I do know we cannot give up just yet. Don't pull a plug on the Oklahoma City Thunder just yet. Their story is not done. All right. Uh, last week, last week, two weeks ago, recently, James Harrison left the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
and joined as a trader, joined the pa- New England Patriots. And everybody was so angry. Everyone's outraged. How could you betray your team, your hometown Pittsburgh Steelers? How could you leave them and go to the New England Patriots? I loved it. Oh, I absolutely loved it. Wouldn't you want to do that? Let's be honest. Let's be very honest. If your career was coming to an end, you knew you had very, you had day, you had maybe days left and you knew you wanted to go out with a bang. Wouldn't you, in this situation, wouldn't you choose the New England Patriots? So, so James Harrison may literally have three games left, four at the time. He may literally have four games left in his career and you have the opportunity to go play with the New England Patriots. Wouldn't you take it? Would you not take it? Would you not want to go out with a bang? Wouldn't you want to be around Bill Belichick? And just for the sake of that selfie, did you see the selfie? Tom Brady and James Harrison took a selfie. Just for that picture alone, it's worth it, in my opinion, to go be like, I played with Tom Brady. Guess what? But to finish your career with the New England Patriots, if you're James Harrison, to give yourself a chance to win one more Super Bowl, you're telling me you wouldn't take that opportunity? You would. And if you don't, you're a fool. Because James Harrison has a chance to go out on top, to leave the NFL at the top of the mountain. That is why James Harrison leaving the Pittsburgh Steelers and joining the Patriots was a good decision. I love it. Oh, I I love it. I love drama. I I love good stories. And that is what this is. The Pittsburgh Steelers and the New England Patriots are going to play each other again this year. And I honestly don't care. I I would prefer the the Patriots win, but I don't care who wins. This is going to be must- watch television. I love, oh, I love good stories. I love drama. And that is what James Harrison going to the Patriots provides. The Steelers, the Patriots already have a great rivalry that has just been reinvigorated by James Harrison leaving the Steelers, going to the Patriots. You know what was, when when asked, uh, Bill Belichick was asked, well, will James Harrison give you guys any secrets? Bill Belichick just said this. He said, we don't play the Steelers this week. And I was like, oh, yes. I, I love it. I, I love the drama. I think I think Bill Belichick's fantastic. It's fun. And I think James Harrison going to do the New England Patriots just, just makes it a blast. I love it. I cannot wait for the Steelers to rematch and play the Patriots in the AFC Championship down the road. We'll be in New England picking the Patriots to win. Let's talk about my Super Bowl prediction. I probably just gave it away. I am picking the New England Patriots to make it to the Super Bowl. They have Bill Belichick. They have Tom Brady. They have home field advantage in the playoffs. And they're probably going to play the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> now, look, the Pittsburgh Steelers have, or the New England Patriots have the Steelers' secrets because they got their longtime defensive player, James Harrison. Plus, the Patriots are just in the Pittsburgh Steelers' heads for multiple reasons. They recently beat the Steelers on Sunday Night Football with that controversial catch-no-catch situation. So the Steelers already kind of messed up in their heads. Not to mention that Mike Tomlin said, He said they always have problems with their mics every time they go to the New England Patriots and play the Patriots. So they're going to have problems that's in their head, and they lost James Harrison. So they're going to be the Steelers are going to be all kinds of emotional when they play the Patriots. They're going to be fired up. They're going to be angry. They're going to have the loss in their heads, thinking about the messed up communication with the radio headsets and James Harrison giving up their secrets. The Patriots have now gotten into the Steelers' heads. That is why I'm picking the New England Patriots to win the AFC Championship and make it to the Super Bowl. Now, in the NFC, there's multiple very interesting suspects that could make it to the Super Bowl. You have the Saints, you have the Rams, you have the Eagles, and you have the Vikings. Um, The Saints are out. The Saints are a dome team. I don't think the Saints have enough in the tank to win road games 
later in the year, in, De- in January. I just don't think the Saints can make it happen. And I'm also out on the Eagles. The Eagles are not going to make it to the Super Bowl because they have Nick Foles. And Nick Foles did not do anything against the Cowboys last week. Two weeks ago against the terrible Raiders pass defense. He couldn't make it happen. He, had, he, he did nothing. So the Eagles will not win the Super Bowl. Which leaves it, it makes it come down to now the Vikings and the Rams. Who is more likely to make it to the Super Bowl, the Vikings or the Rams? I am picking the Los Angeles Rams. Here's why. Uh, Probably the Rams will have to go through Minnesota to make it to the Super Bowl. And here's an encouraging stat. The Rams are 7-1 on the road. Their only road loss was guess who? (laughs) The Miami, Miami, the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota Vikings uh, were the last team that beat the Rams on the road and the only team that beat the Rams on the road this season. I think that losing, losing already to the Vikings gives the Rams an edge because the Rams are hungry. They want revenge. They've been there, done that. I would rather be the underdog than the Vikings who already have beaten the Rams once. Not to mention, here's an interesting stat, something you might not know. Whoever leads the NFL in point differential seems to make it to the Super Bowl every single year. And this year, the Rams lead all of the NFL in point differential. They have a plus 134 points. They scored 134 more points than all of their opponents in the NFL. Again, usually the team that leads the NFL in point differential makes it to the Super Bowl. So I believe the Rams and the Patriots will match up and meet in the Super Bowl this year. And I am picking the New England Patriots to win. Here's why. Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. And Sean McVay and Jared Goff. What do you notice when you think about, when you talk about that? You're pitting experience and age and youth and talent. I think experience and preparation, the Patriots, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady will beat the youth and talent of the Los Angeles Rams. I think the Patriots defense will find a way to eliminate Todd Gurley. I believe this. What do the Patriots always do on defense? They take away the thing you do best. The thing that the Rams do better than anyone else is they have Todd Gurley, this incredible running back. The Patriots will find a way to eliminate Todd Gurley and wait for Jared Goff to make a mistake. I played my friend in Madden yesterday. He loves to run the ball. I took away, I blitzed him over and over again and just waited for him to make a mistake. He always threw an interception or threw an incomplete pass and I could take advantage of that. That is what the Patriots will do against the Rams. They will force Jared Goff. They'll just, they'll play the box. They'll take away Todd Gurley and they will make Jared Goff make a mistake, and he eventually will. The Patriots will win the Super Bowl. It's funny, I said this in the preseason, look at where we are. (laughs) We are at a place where the Patriots are poised to win another Super Bowl, back-to-back Super Bowls in a row. That is why I believe the New England Patriots are going to beat the LA Rams in the Super Bowl this season. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so very much for tuning in. You can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on YouTube. Next week, we'll be on Google Play and Spotify playlists. Tell your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. That is my game plan. That is how this podcast will continue to grow. Tell your friends about it. Share links on Twitter. Share links on Facebook. Tell your friends about it face-to-face. Say, hey, there's this guy, Zach Schaumler. He's a crazy college kid. He makes a great podcast. Tell your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. Once again, my name is Zach Schaumler. We are growing like crazy, and I'm so, so grateful. You guys... Um, I can't believe it. You guys are so nice to me on, on Facebook and YouTube and everywhere I put my content. You guys are so great. Uh, the comments are overwhelmingly positive. I just really appreciate it. I'm so grateful. Thank you for listening. My name is Zach Schaumler. This has been Strong Opinion Sports. I hope you have a fantastic day. 
I forgot to mention, I hope you had a great new year. I had a great new year. I hope you did too. So my name is Zach Shalmer. Have a great day, everybody.